The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. We have come this far by faith. Faith in Jesus and in his promises. Do you ever look at your life and say, Lord, the north star of my life are your promises? I do. Without the promises of God, according to Peter in First Peter, The promises of God are the way I enter into the divine nature. Learning to stand on those promises. Learning to be faithful to Jesus in the process. And all of this brings me to Ephesians, the first chapter. I want to read a very short passage for you. Verse 7. This is Ephesians 1, verse 7. In him... We have redemption. That is, in him we are bought back from the devil, from darkness, from poverty, from pain and anguish. We are bought back through his blood, 
and the forgiveness of sins. And that word forgiveness in the Greek is aphemi, which literally means the removal of sins, the blotting out of sins. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm glad you've tuned in today. We're talking about this wonderful, this wonderful presence of God, the fire and the oil, the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the restoring, the restoring of the presence of God in our lives lighting that fire again it's the the restoration of the menorah remember i shared with you last week the story of eli where the menorah was removed the ark was captured shiloh was devastated and the place where they had met with god for 300 years was left utterly desolate and it is to this day still utterly desolate if you went to israel today as i have you could stand where that tabernacle or that tent of meeting was established you could stand where the menorah stood you could stand in the holy of holies and there would be no presence of god and what's so terrifying is that eli when the presence of god was removed And his great concern over the capture of the ark tipped his chair over backwards, fell, and broke his neck. And then his daughter-in-law, hearing that her husband has died because of the judgment of God, she dies in childbirth and calls her child Ichabod. The glory has departed. Now, I want to be very frank with you today. I don't want the glory of God to depart from my life. And I don't want the glory of God to depart from your life. Now, I recognize that many of you don't have the glory of God in your life. You're very religious. But you don't have the glory of God. And part of what I continually have taught on this broadcast is the great necessity of seeking the Holy Spirit and his fire of following after Jesus and having our sins forgiven having them having them removed from us now there's a there's another passage of scripture I'd like to share with you This is chapter 2 of the book of Ephesians. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Stop, a quick question. I can't simply assume today that you are alive. You may be dead if you recognize that you are dead in your transgressions and your sins, if you still live in them and you still follow the ways of this world, you still follow the ruler of the kingdom of the air, 
the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. If you know you are disobedient, the greatest concern of your heart needs to be, how do I have the fire of God restored to my to my heart? Or how do I, for the first time, have the menorah of God, the fire of God in my life and the forgiveness of my sins being washed and cleansed? Verse 3, all of us also lived among them at one time. That's true. All of us lived gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature. We followed its desires and thoughts. We, we fought, we lied, we cheated, we stole, we, we abused our bodies. We did all kinds of evil and wicked things, and we hurt many, many people by our behaviors. He says, like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith and this not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us. Oh, I'm so glad today. I'm so happy today that my sins have been forgiven. I'm happy today that my sins have been wiped away I've been washed in the blood. That doesn't take away, however, from the pain and anguish of reviewing the many transgressions of my life and the many times when I have not been the kind person I've been called to be. You know, it's a strange thing. When we begin to follow Jesus, he absorbs us. He becomes everything for us. And if someone comes along and tries to pull us away from Jesus, it doesn't work. But I want to tell you, there can be a great deal of pain and anguish in our hearts because of the brokenness in the relationship. One person said to me, I don't want my husband to leave, but he has left me because I follow Jesus and not Allah. I follow Jesus. There is such anguish and pain in the breaking of relationships 
that is multiplied a, a, a million times when we allow our relationship with Jesus to be broken. At the very heart of our relationship with Jesus is his love and compassion for us, for his forgiveness of our sins. As we begin to recognize the utter wickedness of our hearts, as we begin to understand the depth of our perversion, and we begin to understand that Jesus paid it all. He paid it all. There's a passage of scripture that many years ago, my late wife, I was very, I was questioning. I'd had a wonderful job opportunity offered to me. It was a way out of waiting upon God for revival. And frankly, I've waited on God for revival for so many years. And I was tired. I was tired. And I said, Lord, there's got to be something more. There has to be something more. How can I, how can I continue? And she said to me, Ray, look at Isaiah 7, verse 9. So I went and got my Bible. I opened it to Isaiah 7, 9. Let me read it to you. This is part B. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Sometimes pain and anguish and remorse, sometimes guilt washes over us. We see what we've done. We know the pain we've caused, the mistakes we've made. There is one bright beacon of hope in the midst of that. And that is our faith in Jesus Christ. For he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will carry us through. We've been talking about the, the menorah. And in Revelation, the first chapter, we find the Apostle John is in the Spirit and he, he receives a message for seven churches. And he turns and he, he looks and he sees seven golden lampstands. That is, he sees the menorah as it now is constituted. And someone like the Son of Man is walking in that men, in in between that menorah's parts. And out of his mouth comes a double two-edged sword. In other words, he's not just forgiving for sin, but he's also judging sin. You know, this is not easy to grab a hold of 
but somewhere we have to stop all lying and speak the truth in love about our relationships but most especially about our relationship with Jesus not fooling ourselves but being honest being open transparent I pray that what you hear on this radio from me is the same thing you would observe and see if you saw me in my private world there can be no difference I have to be the same in both places everywhere I go I have to be the same person transparent honest open confessing honestly my my mistakes things I do wrong without pride standing by faith on the promises of God you're listening to Pilgrim's Progress I'm Ray Greenley. I'm from the National Prayer Chapel. I'm so glad you've tuned in to listen today. I I know this message will confront you, but will also encourage you. He's walking around amongst these seven lampstands. And in his right hand, Jesus has seven stars, and out of his mouth comes a double, a sharp double-edged sword. Jesus says, don't be afraid. I hold the keys of death and Hades. So this person that we're going to talk about and deal with and love holds the keys to death and Hades, not the devil. The devil doesn't control hell. If I hear someone say, I had a dream and I went to hell and I saw hell and I saw the devil torturing people, you know, he didn't go to hell and he didn't see the real hell. He was just fooled by the devil. If the dream doesn't align with scripture, it's a false dream. So now Jesus says, the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, this is what it means. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. Angels meaning messengers, pastors. And the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So in other words, the church is the lampstand of the world. And Jesus wants that church to be burning with light, with fire. He wants this golden lampstand to bring light to the world. Now, listen to what he says to the church at Ephesus. This is the first of the seven churches. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, in other words, he holds the pastors in his hand. And he walks among the golden lampstands. He walks among the church. He looks at the church. He says, I know your deeds. I know your hard work. I know your perseverance. He's, he's saying, look, I know how hard you've worked on this, on this work at church. I know how many times you've ushered and how many times you've 
gone to the meeting to help the homeless. I know how many times you've you've spent hours working, teaching, setting up the sanctuary. I know the work you've done. But then he says this. This is Jesus. Yet I hold this against you. Now, as soon as I read that, my heart begins to tremble because I don't want Jesus to have anything against me. A lot of people have been very angry with me through the, through the years. And that has caused me concern. People have been disappointed in things that I've said and done. That causes me concern. But what really causes me concern is if Jesus has anything against me. He says, this is what I have against you. This is Revelation 2, verse 4. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen? Repent. Do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. He's saying to the church at Ephesus, look, I know you're about the business of the church. You're keeping all of the traditions of man. But I have something against you. You've lost your first love for me. What causes a person to lose their first love in another? Well, in a marriage... There are a number of things that can cause a loss of love. Probably one of the key things that causes a loss of love in a marriage is when they begin to go separate directions. They're pulled apart. Sometimes by circumstances, sometimes and most often by choice so that there's not the time to talk and share, and there's not an interest, there's a judgment against one, against the other. Accusations begin to flow. Perceptions that are not talked about. Ideas that don't fit. A turning against. Anger and hostility. Harsh words. A superior attitude. And then there comes the total change of direction. Where one is continuing to do what they were doing before. Loving Jesus. Serving him. Walking faithfully before him. And the other saying, you're crazy. There's something wrong with you. You need to turn away from that. You're waiting on the promises of God, but the promises of God have never come to you. And so, why don't you quit? Go another direction. I'm going to go another way. 
And then comes the crucial decision. Sometimes it's allowing lust to take over the heart. Sometimes it's just alcohol, pornography, an affair. There are many different things that flow to us out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That is where I have the right to make whatever judgments I want to make. But there is something so glorious. There is something so powerful and so exciting to remain in intimacy with Jesus and lay everything else aside. Lay aside my hurt feelings. Forgive. Lay aside my anger and my bitterness. Forgive. Repent. Focus my attention on what the Word of God teaches me about how to walk with Jesus. Now, in this story at Ephesus, he's saying you've lost your first love, and so the first thing we do if we've lost our first love is stop, go back, and say, well, what did I do at first? Do you remember what you did at first with Jesus? It was so exciting. Power of God came upon you. You wanted to read the scriptures. You buried yourself in the scriptures. You laid aside all of your plans and said, Jesus, what are your plans for my life? Order my steps, Jesus. But then in cynicism and anger, I see how my steps are not being ordered the way I think they should be ordered. And so I begin to enter into rebellion and backbiting and criticism. And I lose my first love. The first love comes back when I go back and do the things I did at first, where I just totally, completely surrender my will to Jesus and say, Jesus, whatever your will is, that's what I want. It doesn't matter what the pain is. It doesn't matter what others are going to say to me. It doesn't matter that others are going to cut me off. I am going to walk this out by faith in the promises. And I finally have said, Lord, if I die, as I wait upon you, you commanded me to wait for you, to wait upon you. You said you would carry me. You said, rest in me. Lord, as I do these things, if revival never comes, and I die, when I get to heaven, my standing will be that I obeyed the word of the Lord to me. But Ray, what about all of your desires to be successful? What about all of your desires to be somebody? What about all of your desires to prove that you can do something? No. I'm not interested in any of that. 
I'm interested in walking in peace and in love with the people who are around me that Jesus brings to walk with me on the journey of faith, waiting upon God. And listening carefully to what he tells me to do and to say and where to go. My only heart cry is to love Jesus and to be obedient to him. Now, there's another church that's spoken of, the seventh church. I'd like to raise for you, first by reading, and then I want to talk about this church just briefly today. It's the angel of the church in Laodicea right. In other words, write this to the pastor of the church in Laodicea. These are the words of the Amen. These are the words of Jesus, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. He writes, I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other, so because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. He's saying, the taste of you in my mouth is such in the Greek that I want to vomit. I want to vomit. Why? Well, you've lost your first love. And after you've lost your first love, what you did now was you allowed yourself to be lukewarm. Not on fire for Jesus, not on fire for sin. Just lukewarm. Just going down the road. Being entertained. Being a part of the world. And yet, not totally in the world, one foot in heaven and one foot in hell. As one as one pastor said, I know how to hang with Jesus and I know how to hang with the world. That's lukewarm. Now, he goes on, you say I am rich. I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. Okay, we're going to see now the very specific areas where the church at Ephesus had lost its first love. We're going to see very clearly where the church of Laodicea has totally lost its first love until the menorah or the lampstand has been removed from this church. In the end of this message, we find that Jesus is standing at the door, knocking at this church. The hand of God is always reaching out for us. He's always pursuing us. He doesn't write us off. He hasn't written you off. But he's saying, there are some very specific things that I want you to change. Or you're lukewarm. And if you're lukewarm, you make me sick to my stomach. You make me want to vomit. And the menorah, the lampstand, has been removed from your church. Now, the beauty is that Jesus is still standing, knocking at the door of this church. And he's saying, if you'll open the door, 
I will come in and I will eat with you. I will fellowship with you. The menorah will be restored to your church. But always in scripture, Jesus comes. Remember the sharp two-edged sword. He comes to the church or to the person, to you. His hand is outstretched. He wants to forgive you for your sin. He wants to restore you to fellowship with him. He loves you. Or he wants to strengthen you in what you already have. Those are the messages of these seven churches. The hand of God, the hand of Jesus is stretched out to you. He loves you. He wants you. But he stands at the door either to bring total judgment and destruction upon your church, upon your life, or he stands there waiting for you, knocking, because he wants to come in and restore the lampstand in your church. But there's some things that have to change. Now, I started this broadcast today by saying, I am so grateful that Jesus will forgive us our sins and wipe away our transgressions. We are saved by grace and not by works. We are saved by faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. We are made righteous by the blood of Jesus. Not pretend righteousness, real righteousness. As I look at this, listen listen to what he says. He says, you say to yourself, I'm rich. I don't need anything. I have wealth. But you don't realize the reality, the condition of your heart. You're blinded to it. You've been fooled. You've been seduced by your own ideas. You've been seduced by your own desires. You have drifted away from Jesus. You're about your own business. Remember what Jesus said when he was 12 years old and they found him in the temple? Don't you know I have to be about my father's business? I want to say that to you today. Don't you know that you need to be about Jesus' business? Being a fisher of men. says you do not realize that you're that you're wretched that you're pitiful that you're poor that you're blind you're naked in other words you're miserable you're bankrupt spiritually bankrupt you've got a a form of godliness but no power now i trust better things for most of you i trust that jesus is still speaking to you about loving him. But the menorah is removed from a church when they are unconscious of their spiritual condition and they refuse to hear anything that Jesus wants to say to them. He counsels them. He advises them. He gives them the solution to the problem that they're facing with the lack of love for Jesus. First, I counsel you, buy from me gold refined in the fire. You might want to look 
at several passages. I'm going to give them to you, but we're not going to turn and read them now. Jeremiah six twenty nine through thirty. First Peter one verses six and seven. And Job twenty three verse ten. I'll give those to you again. Jot them down. Jeremiah six twenty nine through thirty. First Peter one verses six and seven. And Job 23, verse 10. Jot them down. Listen. You need to hear these. He's talking about gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich. What is this gold refined in the fire? It is when you stop acting according to human traditions. You stop acting according to human desires. You stop setting your own agenda and you begin to to stand by faith on the promises of God, and you know that he will answer you. takes time. God doesn't answer the fast way. He always takes the second way, which takes time. Then he advises, buy from me white clothes, Revelation 19.8. In other words, start to walk by faith in Jesus. Trust your future to Jesus. Trust your job. Trust your marriage. Trust everything into the hands of Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean the marriage is going to survive. It doesn't mean you're going to keep your job. It means that you begin to put your faith and your trust in the person of Jesus, and you pour out the gushing longings of love for your master and your savior, and you allow him full control. You don't second guess him. And as you do that, he's going to give you instruction about what you're to do. He'll tell you things like he did me. Many years ago, he said, turn the television off. He said, turn the radio off in the car. He said, stop going to the movies. Well, those were just the beginning steps of getting my mind unseared, clear, healed, so that I could read the scriptures and be filled with the Spirit. He'll begin, he'll tell you, stop smoking. Lay the alcohol down. You don't need it anymore. He'll say, don't go to that club anymore. He'll begin to separate you from the world. And you begin to wear the white clothing of righteousness or innocence before God. He says, this is how you begin to cover your shameful nakedness. Then he says, buy salve to put on your eyes so you can see. John 14 Verses 15 to 21, the spirit of truth. He wants you to have the spirit of truth. He wants you to see with your eyes. He doesn't want you to be blind like Eli was. He wants you to see the reality of your life and where you're going and what you're doing. He wants you to be healed. Remember? Remember? 
this is all about wanting to come in and eat with you. It's about Jesus wanting fellowship with you. It's about Jesus forgiving you for your sins and wiping away your transgressions. It's about giving your future to Jesus. It's about giving your plans to Jesus. It's not about going out and lighting your own fires, Isaiah 50. It's not about going out because you don't know what to do, and so you lay out a whole agenda of what you're going to do and the timing for all of these things you're going to do. That is lighting your own fire. That's not the will of God. And it will only bring pain and anguish into your life because now you're functioning off of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and not the tree of life. Some of you want to continue to pursue your own interests and your own desires and you want Jesus to come along with you. He won't do that. We don't bring Jesus along like a rabbit's foot that we can rub and hope for good luck. We walk day by day under the discipline of Jesus Christ. Romans, the 12th chapter. We're on that altar of burnt offering. We give ourselves utterly and completely and totally into the hand of Jesus. Now, I have to say this to you. If you begin to walk as I'm describing, you will begin to walk into such intimacy with Jesus that the love will just come pouring out of your life. The words of affirmation and love and praise and worship for Jesus will be an unending torrent out of your heart toward our Lord and our Master. But if we dress in our own clothes, if we go our own way, we will be naked and we will be blind and we will not walk by faith. Now I need to say to you that many who would hear this message would say, Pastor, don't carry that too far. You're kind of verging on being crazy. When you talk about laying it all on the altar, all on the altar of sacrifice laid, surrendering everything to Jesus, and you don't then pick up your own life and go your own way, but you wait upon the Lord. Family members will think you're a fanatic and that you're, that you're crazy. I've been called crazy. People have said of me, that Pastor Ray, there's something wrong with him. He's disturbed. He won't, he won't follow the natural course of what he needs to do to be prosperous and to be successful. No, I won't. I want Jesus. I want to know the fullness of his forgiveness and the fullness of his Holy Spirit, refreshed, empowered, enabled by the mighty Spirit of God to do the works of God in the world, to save the lost, to convert the lost. 
so I don't pretend that the path I'm describing for you is an easy path. It's not. And you will lose friends and family. I lost a wife over this. Where she said to me, if you will leave this craziness with Jesus and just step into the jobs that are being offered to you, the careers that are being offered to you outside of ministry, and earn a normal living and support your family. If you'll do that, I'll be married to you. But if you're not going to do that, I'm leaving, and I'm going to go create my own life the way I want it to be. Okay. There's the cold, hard decision. Am I going to trust in the promises of God? People have said to me, Pastor, you're 74 years old. I just celebrated my birthday. By the way, thank you, all of you who sent such beautiful cards and gifts. But haven't I lived long enough that all of the promises of God should have been fulfilled by now? And if he hasn't fulfilled them by now, is he ever going to fulfill them? Yes. Yes. I don't put my trust in the words or actions of men or women. I put my trust in the person of Jesus Christ. For he has captured my heart. I love him. He has forgiven me for my sins. He has wiped away my transgressions. He's washed me. He's made me clean. So when I wake up in the morning, I'm resting in Jesus. My my conscience is clear. I'm just crazy enough to want you to walk the same way. I want you to step out in faith and trust your future, trust your now, trust your marriage, trust your your job, trust your business, trust your children, trust them in the hands of Jesus and let him work out in your life what he desires to work out in your life. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, I know there are many listening to this broadcast today who are still walking in the darkness of their sin and their perversion, their wickedness. And I know you love them and you're calling them to leave that life of destruction and to come to you and to get on their face before you and give it all up and confess their sin and receive you as as their Lord and as their Savior and make a commitment that you are going to control all of their life from this moment forward. That they're finished. And now you must take over. Lord, thank you. I know also, Lord, there are some beautiful believers in you who are listening to this broadcast who love you with all their heart and their soul their their spirit shouts out the love gushing out of their heart for you and then 
Lord, I know there are those who know the gospel but are lukewarm. Who think they've got it all together but they're wretched and miserable, poor, blind, naked. And you're saying, look, start to risk and walk by faith. Start to do what I've told you to do and be dressed in white raiment by the eye salve of the Holy Spirit so you can see. Humble your heart. Confess your sin. Come back to your first love. Lord, we want the menorah restored in our hearts, in our churches, in our lives. We plead with you today. Send forth the light of your glory and revival power in this city. Lord, I thank you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, you're listening today to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. This is a very testing time for me. Testing with finances. It's been a very slow month of giving. We have some that has been given, but we are still far, far, far from our goal. So, would you step forward and help that this broadcast could stay on the air? We are, we are by faith. I can't pay for it. I don't have the ability. I don't have lands. I don't have cars. I don't have houses. I don't have bank accounts and savings accounts. Everything I have, I put in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you help with this great work of the gospel? Remember Paul said silver and gold, or or Peter said silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give to you. And I come day after day and I give to you what I have. I give to you my understanding of the scriptures. I call you to repentance. I call you to the glorious truth that your sins are forgiven and you can be restored in the love of Jesus Christ. That's important to you. I'm asking, will you give hilariously? We really need the help. And I'm waiting on you. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, that's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now you can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. I'm very grateful to those of you who've gone online and donated for the radio broadcast for this month. And for those that have written to me, I've received such wonderful, kind notes of testimony, encouragement. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. I know you give because the Holy Spirit prompts you to give. 
And it doesn't need to be a lot. It only needs to be what the Holy Spirit has said. Some of you can give large, large amounts. We're still eager to go to the FM side of the dial, and that's going to take some large donations. So we're waiting. And I'm obeying. And I'm standing by faith. I'm standing by faith for everything in my life. I'm standing by faith for for this broadcast studio, for the equipment necessary. I'm standing by faith for you to be changed by Jesus, for your marriage, for your job. I'm praying that every one of you who is caught in a snare will be released from that snare that the Lord God of heaven will come and minister to your heart. Again, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. It is such a privilege for me to come and speak to you day after day. I come with the simple message of Jesus. I hope and pray God's presence is in you today. God bless you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.